We're done? Okay, get your Bibles out. Turn to Joshua. Joshua chapter number three. Yes, I remember. Joshua chapter three, and when you find it, go ahead and stand. <clears throat> You're going to preach the entire chapter of Joshua chapter three. Only 17 verses. I think it worked out last time when we read it and kind of explained along the way, so we'll kind of do that again tonight. Um, and again, if you're unable to stand, then we totally understand that, but if you are able to, we'd sure appreciate it as we read Joshua chapter 3, and starting in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning. So this is right after the spies came back from Jericho, right? And Jericho is going to be the first city that they attack. And they spied out the land. They came back. Immediately, next morning, Joshua rose early. He was pumped. He was ready to go do this thing. And they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. See, these are the officers I was talking about. Joshua had his officers, faithful men, that helped him as he led. Thankful for our officers, Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Verse 3, And they, the officers, commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, uh, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself. Now, sanctify sounds familiar. I am not smart enough to do that, by the way. But if you were here on Wednesday, we did a whole, basically, seminar on sanctification. That's where Paul was at the end of 1 Thessalonians. And it's here again. Uh, what a blessing. So I love expository preaching. God does that. He must have something for us tonight. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither. And hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth before you uh, into Jordan. Passeth over before you into Jordan. Verse 12. Now therefore... Take the twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, one out of every tribe, a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand in a heap. And it shall pass, and I'm sorry, it shall, and it came to pass, when the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, 
and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. Now this is a run-on sentence, amen? English teachers, you'd be upset with Joshua for this. For Jordan overfloweth all the banks of the time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all Israel, all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. And so the message tonight is this. Beginning the journey of sanctification. Doesn't that just blow your mind? It blows my mind. How, how is that possible that, that on Wednesday we just happen to be there and, and God is good? It's like there's something up there that's in control of all this and has something for us. And so beginning the journey of sanctification, let's pray. We'll get into the message. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks. Even as we learned this morning that your word is powerful and it has authority, help us, God, to trust it, help us to follow it. I pray that you help us to be open to your word tonight. Help me as I declare it, and to be glorified by all that we do. Christ in my pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so once Joshua heard the news from the spies, he immediately, the next morning, rose up, and he led Israel to the edge of the Jordan River. Now, I want to say this about, about this whole process. They're entering into Jordan, and, you know, there are some songs that talk about crossing over to Jordan is like crossing over to heaven. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really jive with that. Is jive okay to say? I don't know. I don't jive, but anyway. Uh, so Jordan is not heaven. Like, you're not going to get to heaven and battle enemies, okay? Uh, I mean, and, and Canaan is not heaven. Here's, here's the picture for us as we study this out. Canaan is, is sanctification. Canaan is the Christian life that God has for you. That's the, that's the picture here. If you, if you think of Israel, Israel's been wandering around in the desert, and now they're going to cross over Jordan, and God's going to do something awesome, and then after that, they're going to start down this journey of sanctification as a nation. Well, what do you mean? Well, here's what they're going to do. They're going to get in the land that God promised for them, and we have a life that God's promised for us, and they're going to get to the promised land. And here's what they need to do for the promised land to be everything God intended for Israel. They're going to have to, in order to gain ground, first remove some things. They're going to need to remove some Canaanites before they can possess the land. Are you following? This is the process of sanctification. Sanctification is whenever we take step by step closer and more into what God intends for our life to be. And so to get from where we are to where God has for us, it's going to be a process of one battle at a time, one step at a time. And we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to have something that God says, all right, take this out and get it out of your life. And you're going to, you're going to fight a battle there. And it's going to be a spiritual battle. And you're, going to, and you're going to battle with your flesh. And eventually, if you continue to follow the Lord and you, and you get on your knees and you ask for God's help, He's going, to, He's going to give you the victory, isn't He, over that battle. And then what's going to happen is, Good, you have victory in this area of your life. It's not over. Jericho's done. 
But now it's on to the next, you see. And God will point out another city, another area, another part of your life that needs to be given to him. Some things that need to be taken out. And I mean completely eradicated. Isn't that what God tells them to do? To wipe out the entire land? Because why? Because God has plans for that area of your life. And he's not going to be able to fulfill what he needs to fulfill in your life until you first get some things out. This is the process of sanctification for your life. And what we're going to be starting here is Israel's journey to begin that, that process of sanctification as a nation. As a nation. He wants them to sanctify themselves. What does it mean to sanctify? If you remember on Wednesday we said it. It's to set you apart for God's use. And God has chosen out Israel as a nation. Now Israel is already sanctified as a nation, aren't they? They're God's people. God chose them. But that doesn't mean they don't have a sanctification process to go through in Canaan. You see? And it's exactly the same in our life, isn't it? That when you got saved, you became God's chosen people. God did not choose you out of, and then didn't choose others. God, the, the doctrinal... Uh, the doctrinal uh, doctrine, I guess, biblical doctrine of election is, is something we should be scared of. But, but here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God, you're saved because God chose you to be saved. No, God offers salvation to all. But God did choose that those who would believe, remember John 3, 16? Whosoever believeth in him, God chose that those who believe in the, in the sacrifice of Christ, he would work in them and through them, and begin to change them, and, and but more than that, he would have eternity with them. And so we are not Israel. We are not Israel. The church is not Israel in the modern age. Israel is still Israel. The church is still the church. But what we are is God's people. God's chosen people who have been sanctified from the world. You see? Bought with the price. You are no longer your own. God purchased you with his blood, and he's going to have an eternity with you, but he intends to have a lifetime here with you. And you are set apart by God unto his use. You are that. No matter what you do, God, God has sanctified you. But that doesn't mean that there's not a sanctification process where we need to remove some things and so that we can add some things. You see it? And so that's what's happening here is Israel's going to start that process and they are pumped about doing that. And so Joshua leads them to the brink of Jordan. If they're going to start this process, they're going to have to get over Jordan. Okay? And so we read it. They got to Jordan, and there's three days that they were in Jordan. I mean, at the river, at the river bank. And for three days, they just stared at Jordan. And, and we're not going to give you all the nerdy details, but this is harvest season, which means that there was uh, snow melting on Mount Hermon, and that snow was running into that river, and this, at this time of year, that river is raging and white and scary looking. You don't want to get in that river, much less swim across it. And so God leads them to the brink of the Jordan, and he just lets them look at it for three days. You see? And they're looking at what they need to do. And Jericho's on the other side. And so what's going to happen here? Right? And for three days they're at that river. And so, in verse 3, we start to get some instruction. Um, Joshua has his officers command the people. And he says in verse 3, they do, the officers, commanded the people, saying, When ye see the Ark of the Covenant 
of the Lord your God, and the priests Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. <clears throat> so they say, when you see the ark moving, just follow it. No more, nothing else. When you see the ark, follow it. When, what's the ark? Well, he said it two or three different times in our passage. The ark of the living God. It's not the, the ark has really no value that way. It's a representation of the living God who they serve. By the way, up until this point, if you remember, they were led by a pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. But now it's going to be the ark of God who leads them. And, and the instructions are these. This is the only instructions that they have. When you see the ark, follow it. Are you following? When you see the ark, follow it. Well, then he says, make sure you leave a space of about 2,000 cubits. And that's about 3,000 feet. Make sure that, that there's a big 2,000 feet between you and the ark. Now, why? Why leave 2,000 feet? Well, we can guess about some things. It's, it's the presence of God, and so it deserves reverence, doesn't it? God, God isn't the big JC. He's not the big man upstairs. He, we don't, we're not chilling with Jesus. He's God, and he deserves reverence. And so there's that. But really, that's not the only reason, because it tells us why. It says in uh, verse 4, There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it. Why? That ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hitherfore. Here's why God commanded they stay far away. So that everybody, as many people as possible, can see the ark. Right? Now, Joshua's their leader. Josh, Josh, Joshua. You can call him Josh. Uh, uh, Joshua was their leader. Uh, but really, ultimately, Joshua wanted them to understand the ark is their leader. And we know what the ark is. God is their leader. And so here's the visual, is the ark, the Levites would take the ark in a very reverent way, and there's a special way that they need to carry the ark and all of that, because God God's deserves that reverence, and he deserves particular worship. And so they pick up the ark and they carry it, and here's the visual. The ark is 2,000, 3,000 feet away, 2,000 cubit away, and, and so they, they are following the ark, and Joshua is in front of them. Are you seeing it? And so if, if the piano is the ark, I'm Joshua, and the people are back here. And so the people are following Joshua. Yeah, that's good. And they see their man of God, and they follow their man of God. But Joshua wanted to make sure that when they look past him, what they see is God. And the way Joshua is going is the way God is going. Joshua wanted to make sure that was very clear, that when he leads them, he's not just leading them. He's following God, and they're following him. This is the path. That's the, that's, this is the authority structure that God has in place in, in, in a lot of areas of our life. It's true in the church, isn't it? That, that God has set up an authority structure that as God leads, the man of God follows and the church follows. No one, no one in this process is more important than another, but God does have an authority structure. How, why, how do you know no one is more important? Because the Godhead itself has an authority structure. We have God the Father, and then God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. God's a God of a structure and authority, but just because we have an authority structure doesn't make the clergy more important than the laity. No, we're not doing that. We're all, we're all part of the body, and Jesus is the head, you see. The family is the same way, isn't it? God has established in the home that it would be God leading, the man following God, the, the woman following the man, and the children following them. This is the authority structure. Here's where the problem comes. When the 
when God's this way, and the man is supposed to be following God, and, and the woman is following the man and the children following him, or, or when the ark is over here, God is over here, the pastor is following, is supposed to be following God, and then the church is supposed to be following the pastor. Here's where it becomes a problem. When someone down, down the line is, is seeing the ark going that way, and they're seeing who they're supposed to be following going that way. Too many homes have, have a, a God going that way, the man going that way, and, the, and then the woman right here. Now what do I do? Well, we know what to do. What did Peter say? I'm going to follow God rather than man. And that's a hard place to be. That's not God's design, not God's plan, ultimately. God would rather you be here. But, but really, here's why the ark's out there. Because you're not really just following the husband, you're following him as he's following the ark. And if he's not following the ark, then you need to keep following the ark. And if Joshua wanted them to know, hey, the ark's over here. If for some reason I'm swimming down the river, don't follow me. Follow the ark. Are you following? And as the pastor of Valley Avenue Baptist Church, the ark, the ark, the presence of God it is the word of God. And we want the Bible to guide our church. That's why I preach expositorily. That's why we do what we do. Everything is funneled through the, through the Bible. If I'm doing my job, here's what I want to do. I want to show you how that, the reason I'm leading this way is because this is where the Bible's leading us. You see? And if I start going down the river, you don't go down the river with me. You kick me out of the river. You get someone who's going after God, okay? Because it's not me that matters. It's God that matters. Now, if you notice that I'm not doing something right, don't just, don't just give me the boot without talking to me. I want, but, if I, but listen, if I'm not following the ark, you need to tell me that. And if you're not following the ark, where's he going? I'm going to go and I'm going to, hey, uh, this way is the ark. But we need to do that for each other. And if you're over here and the man of God's over here and you're following the man of God in the ark and this guy's over here, well, you don't need to make Joshua turn around and just go over there and say, hey, dude, that way. But when you see the ark, follow it. And when, you, when it's clear in the word of God, we follow it. Yeah, but I feel like, I don't care what you feel like. Well, I do a little bit. But not as much as I care about what the Bible says. And we need to get our feelings lined up with what the Bible says. You see? Okay. All right. And so that's what they did. That was the instruction. And so Joshua commanded the people to do this, to sanctify themselves. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is the day that they're going to cross. That? You know, the river they've been staring at for three days, it looks really intimidating. Yeah, we're going to go across it tomorrow. How are we going to do that? You just don't, you don't worry about that. You just follow the ark. When you see the ark move, just follow the ark. See? Yeah. And they're going to cross Jordan. They were going to attack Jericho. And so what, when they get over Jordan and they get to Jericho, what are they going to do? Well, they're going into battle, aren't they? They're not just crossing a river, which is incredible enough. But when they cross the river, they're crossing the river to fight. And most military leaders, when they're getting people ready, they're trying, like they're training them. Sharpen your swords, sharpen your spears, you know, do these formations. None of that is here. When Israel goes to fight, here's what they do. They sanctify themselves. Why sanctify yourself? Well, because the way Israel prepared for battle is to do this. 
to get themselves ready to fight, well, sort of, but more importantly, to be used of God. To prepare for battle, they didn't need to necessarily, now there's some training involved and all that's important, but mostly they needed to get themselves ready to be used by God. Why? Because God's the one who is going to take care of Jericho. And they needed to be used by God to take care of Jericho. And all the training in the world doesn't make any difference if you're not ready to be used by God. And if we're going to battle the battles that God has for us as a church, yeah, we need to get things ready, we need to organize ministry, and we need to do all these things, and we have a lot of stuff that needs to be done, and we need to be in church, and we need to do all this stuff. But really, if we're going to, as a church, do what God wants us to do, what we need to do is prepare our hearts to be ready to be used by God. Because we don't even know what God's going to do yet. But it doesn't really matter. What matters is, are you ready to be used by God? So sanctify yourself. Yeah. If they were going to cross the river, it was going to have to be God who did that. If they were going to face Jericho, which was a great walled city, look, looking from the outside, totally uh, impenetrable, it was intimidating. If they were going to take care of Jericho, it was going to have to be God. And so what they needed to do, more than anything, was to be ready to be used by God. That's what sanctification is. That's why you, you, you go on the journey of sanctification, because you want your life to be more and more usable for God. The more you sanctify, the more things that you get out of your life that don't belong there, the more that you add things that do need to belong there, the more that you are useful for the Master. That's sanctification. And so then God gave instructions to Joshua. And it's interesting that it was after Joshua decided he would do it that God gave him the instructions. Is that interesting? It is interesting. It shouldn't be shocking because that's how our God works. God wants you first to be willing to follow. Then he tells you where you're going. Joshua needed to be ready to follow God then he got instructions. You see? And oftentimes we want to know what God wants us to do, but we're not really ready to do what he tells us to do yet. You see? That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord means, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it, because I know who you are. And Joshua was ready. By the way, Israel was ready. And then God gives instructions. And he tells them, he tells Joshua to have the priest carry the ark into the Jordan. We read it. He says, carry the ark into the Jordan. He never really says much after that. At least it's not given to us in our text, but God must have given him more instructions because then he turns around and he gives the instructions to Israel. And isn't that, isn't that God's design? That the man of God would be ready to do anything God wants us to do? God will give him the instructions, and then he gives the instructions to the people. This is the plan of God. And so Joshua received instructions from God, and Joshua gave them to Israel. And that's what I'm planning to do for I don't know, 80 years, is to get instructions from God and then give them to you. And then get instructions from God and then give them to you. But none of those instructions will matter until you're ready, until you have already decided to follow. Church will mean a lot more to you if you come to church ready to obey. Yeah. And so he received the instructions and he gave them to Israel. So what did he tell them? Well, he said to carry the ark into the Jordan River and once their feet touch in the waters apart. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
That was pretty much the instructions. Yeah. Carried the ark into the Jordan River, and when their soles of their feet hit the water, the river would part. And then he said in verse 10, this. <clears throat> and Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you Canaanites. And he lists them all there. Yeah. You're going to see this happening, and you're going to know it's the living God who's going to do this. Yeah. And if, if the living God is for us, then who can be against us, right? But Brother Chad, you know what, what people in False City are saying about us? I don't really care what they're saying about us. Here's what I care about. What does God say about us? And if God's for us, then who can be against us? And if, if we're following God, then we're going to just watch him take care of this and take care of that and take care of that. And God's going to drive out the enemy. And God's going to work in our church. And God's going to work in your life. You just need to worry about, are you following the ark or not? Yeah. And what's the deal with driving all the people out of the land? Well, we already told you, right? That's sanctification. There are some things that need to be taken out, and there are some things that need to be added. And if you read that big, long list of people, that's a pretty overwhelming list of people. And the Christian life can be overwhelming. So you're going to need to know that the living God is among you. The living God is among you. You're going to need to have confidence that it would be God who can and who will drive these things out of your life. It's going to be a process. It's going to be a process. It's going to be city after city. City after city as you follow God. But then here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to allow Him to remove these things. That's all Israel needed to do. They just need to get out of God's way and let God do it. Now they are the ones who did it, right? Spoiler alert. They win in Jericho. And they did have to walk around the city. So there's something we need to do. But the whole time, we know God's going to do it. You see? As a church, there's some things that we're going to need to do. There's souls that need to be reached. There's, there's the gospel that needs to be, that needs to be spread. And what we, we're just going to be confident that God's going to do that as we follow him. In your life, there's some changes that need to be made. There's some things that need to be removed. There's some attitudes that need to be rooted out. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's some uh, uh, bitterness, maybe, that needs to be taken out of there. There's some anxiety there. There's maybe some lust there. There's maybe some, just some bad attitudes that need to be taken out. And you might say, well, I've tried for a long time, and I'm not going to be able to do it. Well, you're right. You're not going to be able to do it. And maybe the problem is you've been trying for too long, and, you, and you've not allowed God to do it, and you've not truly, tr listen, maybe, maybe you've not truly wanted it to be gone. Maybe it's kind of one of those things where you say you don't like it, but maybe you do. But whatever it is, here's, a, here's your job. Sanctify yourself. Your job is not to fight the battle necessarily. Your job is to sanctify yourself and surrender to God and let God root these things out of your life because God can. God can. Yeah. If you're, if you're pretty sure God can't do it, he's not going to do it. If, hey, if the if if the <laughs> if the people watch the Levites pick up the ark, and then just start walking toward the river, and they're like, "Where's the bridge? I thought the, I thought the Levites were going to build a bridge." No, if, if, if Israel just walked, pick, watched the Levites pick up the ark and just step into the river, 
And they started thinking, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know that God would have parted the water. But they didn't do that, did they? They picked up their tents, and they followed the ark. And the ark walked over to the, the, the Levites walked to the water. They stepped in, and Israel was just following behind. Why? Because they were confident God can do it. And, and you are never going to change. You are never going to have any difference made in your life if you have not convinced yourself that God can take care of it. If you've, if you've labeled yourself and you say, I can't do this, this is how I've been, this is how I grew up, this is how I've done it for my whole life, and God can't change it, you might not say those words, but you might believe those words. And if you don't think God can do it, he's not going to do it. God wants you to trust him that he can. And he wants you to just follow the ark. Follow the ark. And you watch how God parts the river. And you watch how God takes care and makes walls fall down. But your first step, the journey to sanctification begins with knowing confidently that God wants to do it and God's going to do it. He can, he wants to, he's going to. But you have to make that decision before he even gives instruction. See? And then all the way through the thing, you follow him. Yeah. It all comes down to being willing to follow God when he moves following him wherever he leads, even if it's to the brink of a raging river and a walled city, and then knowing none of that's a big deal because God's going to take care of it. You see? And then they did it, didn't they? Israelite, the, the, the Levites picked up the ark. They walked to the river. Before they got to the brink, we see Israel packing up their stuff. They saw the ark moving. They're packing up. They don't know where the ark's going. And they follow the ark. The Levites step in, and just exactly how God said, the water was put in a heap. The, the water that was coming down river stopped. The, the tributaries, all the different rivers that fed into it, all stopped. And the Bible says, not only it's not like the water just stopped flowing. The Bible says they walked on dry ground. That means he, he in, a, in an instant, dried the ground. It's not, it wasn't muddy water they were wading through. God dried the ground and paved the way, and they went through. And now there they are, in Canaan. The water comes back. And now they've got a raging river behind them, and they've got battles in front of them. And it's not over, is it? Nope, it's just the beginning. But your life is going to be battle after battle after battle after battle until the day you die. But it all starts here. It all starts here. Do you even believe that God can do it? God brought them to this part before. Remember? 20 years ago or so? Yeah. And they got there, and they looked at the land, and they were about to enter into Canaan, and they saw the giants. Giants are scary. Right? The New York Giants are scary football team. Right? Um, only God can help you with that. So, But they saw the giants. Here's what they said in their heart. God can't do that. So what did God do? He marched them right around and said, go back. You come back. You come back to this river when you're ready to trust me. And I think a lot of us have gone to the brink of the river and turned around. Nope. I've tried that before. Back to the river. Nope. Tried that. This attitude needs to be changed. No, it can't be changed. This is me. And you're just going to have to like it or not, God. Okay. Well, then turn around and go back to the wilderness. 
uh, this thing, this lust that I have, I can't overcome it. Oh, you can't overcome it. Yeah, I know, and you can't help me with it either. Okay, go back into the wilderness. And you come back when you're ready. Journey, the journey of sanctification begins when you believe that God can and he wants to, to take you through the battle. Yeah. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify your heart. And you just watch how God does it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you use Israel as an example for us. Even as Paul said, there, these things are written to be examples for us. And God, several thousands of years ago, there were people who struggled to trust you. They knew who you were. They saw what you've done. They, they've seen you part the Red Sea. They've seen you feed them from the sky. But Lord, still, they struggled to trust you, to believe you, that you can and that you want to use them as your people. Spare us from that, God. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you, confident that we can't do it, but also confident that you can do it and that you want to. And Lord, I don't know all the battles represented in this room tonight, but you do. I pray that you would reveal those battles to them and help them to trust you with them and just follow you. We love you. Christ, in my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together.